Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, and this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. He says this, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning and we ask as we look into your word, God, would you speak to each and every one of us uh, to see how each and every one of us might as well be able to take the challenge to just continue, Lord, to move forward by faith in you and, Lord, in the things which we know that we've been assured of from your holy word. God, I pray that each and every one of us would have open hearts and minds to hear from you, but, Lord, also open hands to be able to apply and work out the things that we hear this morning to the way that we live. I pray, God, that every single word that comes out of my mouth would be honoring and glorifying to your name and, Lord, would just flow from your heart to us, your people, this morning. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. As uh, we said last week, really what Paul is doing in this passage of Scripture is he points to the uh, way that the world is going. We aren't going to take the time to go all the way through chapter number three again, but suffice it to say this, the world has a trajectory that is counter to what Scripture teaches. The world is on a trajectory that is constantly making them more and more in love with themselves. Uh, everything that they do is looking out for their own desires, their own uh, propagation. The, the, everything that you read in chapter number three, uh, that leading up all the way before verse 14 that we just started in reading, really what it's saying is this. The world is going to get more and more selfish. The world is going to get more and more of a facade on the front. Some of them are even going to claim to uh, know God, but they're not going to actually have the power of godliness in their life is what Paul says. He then uh, goes on to say they're going to be constantly loving pleasures more than they love God. They're going to constantly be, uh, because of this trajectory and lifestyle, they're going to constantly be ready and willing to jump on those who actually live godly in Christ Jesus. In fact, because of the trajectory of the world, those who actually continue moving forward by faith in Christ, they're actually going to suffer persecution. Paul says. Paul says they're going to, as they walk in this world whose uh, trajectory is a different uh, direction than what God would have us to go, because of that, they're going to be attacking you. And he says, but despite all of that, Timothy, you just keep moving forward. 
you continue. And we personalized it a little bit last week. We said, put your name in the blank there. That we say, you continue. Okay, despite the trajectory of the world in which we live today, we are called as Christians to move forward by faith. We're uh, called to continue because uh, the Christian life in a world who is constantly contrary to Christ, the Christian life is not a game. It's something that's gonna take intention. It's, gonna, it's something that's gonna have to take endurance. It's, it's something that's going to require us to stand firm and steadfast, as Paul says in some of his other letters. And so we need to be uh, determined in our hearts and in our minds that we're going to move forward in what God has called us to do. And Paul, we uh, continued his thought a little bit and saw that the first thing that he urges Timothy to continue in is the word of God. He says, hey, if you're gonna continue moving forward by faith, Timothy, in a world that is contrary to Christ, if you're going to do that, you need to stay in the word of God. And he gives him some reasons for it. This is our review of last week, okay? We'll make it quick, and then we'll get right into point number two so that we can uh, finish out the message. But he says, you need to stay in the word of God because it tells you the gospel. It says it makes you wise unto salvation. You came to know the faith in Christ Jesus because of the word of God. So if, if nothing else, the whole story of the Bible should be a reason to stay in the word of God because it's constantly proclaiming to us the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love story from beginning to end of Jesus being sent from God the Father to redeem his creation. And so we stay in the word of God because it tells us the gospel. Paul goes on and says we stay in the word of God because it's inspired by God. It was God breathed. God literally gave his word uh, from his breath to penmen, human penmen who put it down on paper to be preserved through the ages so that all followers of Christ for uh, all of time on the earth would be able to look back at the teachings of Jesus and of the teachings of the apostles and be able to continue in what God has called us to do. And so we continue in the word of God because it's been inspired by him. And then he says we continue, we stay in the word of God because it's profitable for you. Not only is it uh, given by God, not only, that, I mean, if, it, if all it did was tell us the gospel and, and we know that it was given by God, those are good enough reasons to continue in the word of God. But he says, not only that, it's good for you. It, it teaches you what you should know, the doctrine, truth. It teaches you uh, uh, what is wrong in your life. It shines a light on the darkness in your life. It, it corrects you. It tells you what you should be doing right instead. And then it gives you practical instructions for how you should be able to live right. That's what that doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness is. So it's profitable for you. And as you implement those things, he says, you stay in the word of God, it will make you more like Christ. It will make you more like Jesus, that the man of God may be perfect, Truly furnished unto all good works. That's becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And last week we said perfection is the goal. The word, of God's, the word of God is the means. Completeness, holistic Christian living is the goal. And the means by which the Holy Spirit does that in the life of every believer is through his word. And so we need to stay in the word of God because of these reasons. And so last week we learned that we're if we're going to continue, we need to stay in the word of God. We need to stay in the word of God. And if you missed last week, I, I encourage you, go back and listen to the whole message. There's a lot more in it than just those few points that I gave. But we should, first of all, Paul says, stay in the word of God, okay? But notice, secondly, then Paul says this, stay accountable to God, okay? So not only, Timothy, if you're gonna continue, should you stay in the word of God, but you need to remain accountable before God. 
What did he say in verse number one of chapter four? He says, I charge thee, therefore. There's that therefore word again. Every time we see it, we uh, know that he's continuing his thought from a previous thought. And so what is he saying? He's saying this, because of the way the world is going and because of this challenge to move forward by faith and because of the, uh, t- what the word of God does in your life, I'm calling you, Timothy, to stay accountable before God. I want you to notice what he said, he did not say, so Timothy, because of me, move forward. That's not what he said. He didn't say, I charge you, therefore, before my testimony and the testimony of the church in Ephesus that you pastor. That's not what he said. He said, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so the first thing that we need to understand about being accountable to God is that we will all give account to God and God alone. Okay, we, uh, we don't give account to uh, our pastor, to, to a church staff, or to friends or family for what we've done for Christ. You don't even give an account to your mama, okay? You don't, you don't give an account to anyone on this earth for what you've done for Christ. Now, every single one of those people in our lives are there for a reason to help us to continue to stay accountable to God, but ultimately, every single one of us are accountable to God and God alone. There are so many verses through scripture. Romans 4.12 says every one of us will give account of himself to God. So every single one of us will give account of ourselves to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And Paul, even further than that, says, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord... We persuade men. In that, he, he's not saying uh, just that we're, he, he's not uh, like using a scare tactic there. What he's saying is he's giving a motivator for why we should keep persuading men of the gospel. It's because every single one of us, whether we do good, whether we be do bad, uh, we're going to give an account one day for what we've done. In fact, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon said it this way, that God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil. So not only the things that we actually do that everyone sees, whether it was good or evil, are we gonna give account to God, but even the things that nobody else knows about, the secret things that you've done or said or thought (laughs) that were behind closed doors that you thought no one else knew about, well, God knew about it, and one day you're gonna give an account to him for it. Every single one of us will give an account to God and God alone. So that's the first thing we need to understand if we're going to stay accountable to God. Second thing I think we need to understand about remaining accountable to God is that we shouldn't, uh, if we're accountable to God alone to give account for ourselves, then we shouldn't worry so much about others' actions as we are making sure that we are right with God. Right? I I love in John chapter 21, uh, if you read right after Peter and Christ have that whole, uh, do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, feed my my sheep. You know, over and over and over. And then right after it says, uh, Jesus looks to Peter as he's walking. He says, hey, follow me. And what does Peter do? He goes, what about John? (laughs) And, And Christ is like, hey, what does it matter about John? It, it, what, it, it doesn't matter if I call him to follow me all the way till I come. What does it matter? You follow me, Peter. He's saying, stop worrying about what other people are doing. I'm calling you to follow me. And so we, when, we, uh, when we 
uh, follow Christ and give account, uh, account to God one day for what we've done, I'm not going to be giving account for what other people have done. So why on this earth am I so worried about what other people are doing so often rather than uh, worried about what I am doing for Christ? I think sometimes we get so caught up with how others are following Christ and instead we just need to make sure that we are following him. Maybe you've, you've heard messages before preached or maybe you've been part of conversations where it seems that the whole premise of the message or the whole premise of the conversation is critiquing other people and how they do things. Critiquing other Christians and how, or another church and how they're following Jesus. And, and the reality is this, when we focus too much on whether other people are doing it right, then we often miss out on the things that we need to focus on in our own path of following Jesus. I mean, I think even Jesus teaches this principle when he says, so often you're focusing on that little speck in the other person's eye. Meanwhile, you got a two by four sticking out of yours, right? And you missed it. Why? Because you're not focusing on what's actually going on with your life. You're focused on this other person. And in that same passage, Jesus isn't saying, so don't ever help anyone else. In fact, he's saying you need to help other people. But before you do so, make sure you're right. So the priority in place, if we're giving account to God, is this. I can help other people in their following of Jesus Christ, but if I'm going to do so, I need to first take account of if I'm following Jesus Christ. I need to make sure that I am on the right path, not getting so caught up with what everyone else is doing. Right hand in hand with that, Paul says later in, uh, or in another letter in 2 Corinthians that we shouldn't compare ourselves to other people, but compare ourselves to the standard of Christ. Oftentimes, when we look to other people and how they're following Jesus, oftentimes it's because we're trying to justify how we're following Jesus, right? Uh, normally it's not just, man, I really care for that person and they're doing it wrong. Normally in those kind of conversations, it's look at how they're doing it wrong and we're doing it right. Normally that's how the conversation is going. And what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 is we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. He says, they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. That's a nice way of saying they're stupid, <laughs> right? They're dumb. It, it, those who are constantly comparing themselves to other people and saying, well, I'm not doing it like them, so I must be better. And you're measuring yourself higher because of other people's standard. Paul's saying, that's stupid. That was never the standard. Other people were never the standard. What other people are doing has never been the standard of following Jesus Christ. The standard of following Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ. And if we are comparing ourselves with that standard, we're constantly going to be finding, I don't measure up. I do not measure up to the standard of Jesus Christ. And so what does that do? That humbles me and makes me rely on him more so that I can continue moving forward in account to him and him alone. So don't uh, worry so much about how other people are following you follow. And then don't compare yourselves to others. Compare yourself to the standard of Christ. If we're truly gonna give account to him one day, then how about we compare ourselves to the standard we're going to be held to? Okay, so look to uh, the standard of Christ. And, and <clears throat> listen, what, what pleases God, it, it remains the same. If we're giving account to God, re realize this, what pleases him will remain the same throughout all of time. But what pleases people changes day by day. It really does. God's standard remains constant while people's standards can and often do change on a whim. And so pleasing God 
uh, if you're going to give an account to God and move, can, move forward by faith in him, you've got to realize that pleasing God often means disappointing people. Pleasing God often means disappointing people. If you want to obey God, there will be many times when other people will not agree and they will not understand because pleasing God often means disappointing people. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I can promise you that at different points in your life, you're going to be confronted with opportunities to either obey God or to do something easier to win the approval of people. You're going to have choices in life where it's do I obey God and, uh, and please him or do I do the easier thing and win the approval of those around me in the moment. There's going to be times in your life where that takes place. And the reality is for most of us, we too often drift toward wanting to please people. And we get caught up in what everybody thinks about us. But uh, becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. We, we, when we are constantly asking ourselves, what do they think of me? What do they think of me? Do they like me? Do I fit in? Do I measure up? Am I cool enough? Do they like what I'm doing? When that's the question that we're asking, then suddenly, without even meaning to, we surrender our lives to the opinions of people at the expense of actually living to please God. Well, then how do we combat that? How do we overcome that in our lives? Well, the good news is this. The flip side of the statement that I just said a moment ago is true. The statement that says being obsessed with what people think of you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. The flip side of it is also true. The quickest way to forget what everyone else thinks about you is to constantly remember what God thinks about you. Constantly be looking to what God is saying about your life. Becoming obsessed with God, what God thinks about you is the best way to forget what people think about you. We, we, each and every one of us, live for an audience of one, Jesus Christ. When you think about it, you can't please everybody here on this earth. You can't. It's impossible. If you do your hair one way, some people will like it and think you're cool, and other people will think it makes you look fat, right? I mean, there's just, you, you can't please everybody. Uh, if uh, you like a certain type of music, you say, I like country music, then, you know, some people will be like, uh, man, I do too. And other people will be like, are you kidding me? That's not even music, right? Okay, there's, there's the flip side of both things. If you, for some reason at Halloween time, like candy corn and uh, circus peanuts, then uh, some people will agree with you and people who actually have taste buds will say, no, you're, you're terrible, Right? <laughs> Some of you know that's a nod to a Facebook post I made earlier this week, but uh, I'm just saying that you can't please everybody, okay? You can't please everybody. That no matter what you do in this earth, some people on this earth will be with you for it and other people will not. You can't please everybody. But the truth is this, and this is the good news. You can please God. You can please God. You can please God and live a life where God looks at you and say, you did good. You did the right thing. You brought glory to my name. Well done, my good and faithful servant. So how do we overcome living for what everyone else thinks? We surrender ourselves to living for an audience of one. Because becoming obsessed with what God thinks about us is the best way to become set free of what people think about us. So looking to the one that we give account to. Why, why do I want to continue if, if I want to continue, the reason is not going to be because of what the world thinks. We've already seen the world's on a different trajectory. If we want to continue, 
then our, our service and the one that we constantly look to for accountability is God himself. We look to God. And so Paul says, if you want to continue, want to move forward by faith, then you need to stay in the word of God, but then you need to stay accountable to God. And then the last thing I th- see here that Paul says is that you need to stay faithful for God. You need to stay faithful for God. He tells us some ways that we should do this from chapter number four, verse two, all the way to verse number five. He says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they'll turn away from their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. What does Paul say? He says, you, if you're going to continue, are going to have to keep this in mind, faithfulness. Faithfulness, moving forward in some things that the Lord has called us to. What does he say we should stay faithful in? Verse two through four, he tells us that we should stand for truth. We should stay faithful in standing for the truth. He says, some will turn away from the truth. Others won't even wanna hear it at all. But we are called to stand for God's truth and to approve, rebuke, and exhort others in God's truth. The, the world we live in tries to convince us every day that things the Bible calls evil are perfectly okay to do and live out. The, the world cons- consistently tries to convince us of that, but we must stand up for the truth of God's word. Just as we saw last week, the Bible is profitable for us to know doctrine. And to know what we believe. But what good is knowing what we believe if we don't stand up for what we believe in? We, we must be faithful to stand for the truth. Stand for God's truth. When, when this world tries to tell us that all truth is relative or that all ways that anyone believes will get them to heaven will eventually get them there, we must stand on the truth of God's word and proclaim, no, actually, Jesus said he was the way, the truth the life, and that no one can get to the Father except through him. We need to be willing to stand up and say, actually, truth says this. Jesus said this. In a world that says always get to heaven, we must be willing to stay faithful in the truth that says, no, 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 Jesus is the only way to heaven. In a world that uh, tries to tell our children that the fact that they they feel different than the quote-unquote social expectations for their gender and that that means that they may actually be the other gender or no gender at all. When the world tries to tell them that, we need to be willing, because we love our children, to stand up and proclaim that you were made the way you are on purpose for a purpose that you are the way you are for a purpose and you'll find so much more meaning in being the person that God created you to be than you, will ever tr- uh, uh, you ever will find trying to find meaning in a social spectrum that the world has constructed. I mean, we could go on and on and on, honestly. We could sit here and say, just as the world says this, we need to stand for this. I mean, you can make a whole message on just that if you wanted to. I'm not going to, so for sake of time, uh, the point is this. Paul says, in this world, some will turn away from the truth. Some will shut their ears off to the truth of God's word. And and, uh, some will reject it. And he even says this, some will rise up as quote unquote 
preachers of truth. But they are only in the position they are because they refuse to love people enough to confront their sin. And people have put them in that position because they make them comfortable. That's what Paul says. He says they will get to a point where instead of standing before people who love them enough to confront them on what the Bible says, they're going to put people in front of them who will tell them what they want to hear. When he says itching ears, it's like just, just a little kind of touching the ears, just a little bit. But uh, amidst all of this taking place in our world, if we're going to continue, Paul says it requires us to remain faithful to the truth of God's word, to stand true for his word. So stay faithful in standing for truth. But another thing Paul says that we should stay faithful in is sharing the gospel. We should stay faithful in sharing the gospel. In verse two, he says, preach the word. In verse five, he says, do the work of an evangelist. We're, we're called to spread the gospel. That word preach there. You know what that word preach there means? It, this is simply what that word preach means in scripture. Okay, hey! That's what it means, all right? Now you awake? It means get it out there. Proclaim, it's a heralding term. The, the people that came and preached announced the good news of a, a Caesar walking in or whatever. They didn't, they didn't use their inside voice. They proclaimed it. That's what it says. They, he says, you, you proclaim that word. You get it out there. Do the work of an evangelist. What's the work of an evangelist? To evangelize, right? That's what he's saying. That this is the call of every believer, the, the last thing the Lord said when he was on this earth was to go and teach all nations. He said that we would be witnesses for him. And it's been said that the Lord's final command should be our first priority. That each and every one of us should take his last command of sharing the gospel to every creature. We should make that our first priority in our life. We're on this earth to point others to Jesus Christ. And the Lord wants us to give our lives to the ministry of the gospel. We should be consistently trying to reach more and more people with the truth of the gospel. I mean, there, there should be a healthy discomfort in our lives if we're not reaching more people now than we ever have in the past. Why? Because ever before our eyes should be people that need Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that we would do everything that we could to see them that way and then to proclaim the truth of the gospel to them. Do the work of an evangelist. There are way too many people living in the world and even living in our community here that are currently on their way to hell if they don't accept the gift of Jesus Christ's payment on the cross. That's a reality that people are living in and yet, sadly, many Christians are not being faithful to share the gospel. There are so many people on their way to a Christless hell, forever separated from God, because they haven't accepted Jesus Christ's payment on the cross, and yet those of us who know the hope and the peace and the joy and the comfort and the stability of life that a faith in Christ's work on the cross brings, so many of us aren't doing the work of an evangelist to see other people come to know that faith, hope, and, and love in the Lord. So what does Paul says? He says, hey, don't forget in, in your endeavor to move forward, don't forget one of the th those things that should constantly be on your mind is doing the work of an evangelist, proclaiming the word of God to those who do not know it. Even though 
people are turning away from the truth, and even though some people might shut their ears off to it, that doesn't negate your responsibility, Timothy, to proclaim the truth. You should consistently move forward by sharing the gospel. And then he says in verse five, another thing that we should stay faithful in is, by, is uh, staying faithful in our suffering for Christ. What does he say? He says, but watch thou in all things endure afflictions. A lot of us, uh, when we hear messages like this, move forward by faith, go forward, and we're like, yeah, it's like a, you know, a pep rally right before we go play a game, right? It's like, yeah, and then it seems that almost every single time, whether it's James in his book or whether it's Paul in some of his books, they throw this little thing in the middle of it that just like is a kink in the pep rally talk, right? What does he say? The world's gonna get worse and worse and worse, so move forward by faith, and by the way, you're gonna suffer persecution. And he said, but move forward, also endure the afflictions that are gonna come because you're enduring and going forward. And you're like, what? (laughs) Endure afflictions, but Paul says, hey, this is a reality of those who are moving forward by faith. They're going to have persecution, they're gonna have afflictions, Anyone who has told you in, uh, that you come to faith in Christ and no longer will you ever have any problems ever, it's just hunky-dory for the rest of your life, they lied to you. Because the Bible consistently and clearly tells us that we will suffer persecution if we live godly in Christ Jesus. The reality is we're called to suffer. And anyone, uh, again, who told you when you become a Christian that it would be easy, they've lied to you. We're going to suffer. And we're supposed to, it even tells us this in scripture, when we suffer, we're supposed to count it as a joy, (laughs) right? When we studied the book of James, what did he say? Count it all joy when you go through these various trials. Count it all joy. How can I do that? Well, we talked about it in James, so we're not gonna take too much time here. You look forward to the reward of heaven. You look forward to the savior that you will one day see face to face. How do you endure and see it as a joy now? It's not because I enjoy what I'm going through, it's because I enjoy where it's taking me to. So I find joy in it. I think of the early church and the early Christians, how they thought it an off, an honor. They found it an honor to suffer for Jesus. Even to death, they saw it as an honor. In Acts chapter number four, when the church started suffering persecution, Was there prayer to get out of the suffering? No, you go read it, chapter number four in Acts. It tells us this, this was their prayer. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servants that with all boldness we might speak your word. (laughs) He says, hey, Lord, you see what they're doing to us. You see it. Help us to endure and keep going through it. Not, Lord, get us out of it, Lord, help us to keep moving forward in the midst of it. The very next chapter, you see Peter and John arrested for preaching Christ. They're scorned for preaching Christ. They're brought on trial for preaching Christ. In fact, Gamaliel stands up and says, if this is of God, you can't even stop it, so just throw him away. And the Pharisees, uh, they agree with him to the sense that they let him go, but then right before they let him go, they beat them. It's like one, one good lick in before we let him go. And what does it tell us that Uh, Peter and John said. It says, and they departed from the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And then it says this, and 
daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. What, what did the apostles do? They said this, you know what? So thankful that we're suffering. Not because we like the suffering, but because of why we're suffering. So thankful for it. And in fact, even if it brings on more suffering, tomorrow we're gonna do the same thing. We're gonna go to the temple, we're gonna go to people's houses, and we're going to tell them about Jesus. They just kept moving forward, even in the midst of that suffering. I'm reading a book now called, uh, uh, I can't even remember what it is now. It's kind of an update to Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you've uh, ever read that book. But it's a, it's a pretty long book. It's about this thick of people who all throughout history were willing to suffer and even die for their faith in Jesus Christ. And when you read stories like that, that's convicting. That's, that's convicting when you think about it because uh, we live in a country, it seems, that a lot of people uh, aren't really willing to die for Christ. In fact, few are even half interested in living for him in our country. And, and, and so many times I read these stories of people who are willing to suffer not only just scornings and mockings, but were willing to suffer whippings, beatings, tortures, and, and then ultimately even death. How could they do that? They were looking forward to the reward of heaven and they said, I don't like what I'm doing, what I'm suffering right now, but I, I love the reason I'm suffering. And so I'm gonna just keep moving forward by faith. A lot of them, as we saw in even Hebrews 11 when it talks about those who suffered, it said they didn't accept the release. As I'm reading this book, I'm seeing a lot of people in the midst of their suffering for Christ were granted a, a, a release if they just, you know, renounce their faith or they just stop talking about Jesus. And so many of them said, can't do it. Sorry, just like Paul or Peter and uh, John in Acts 5, uh, we have to obey God rather than man. So I, I'm just gonna keep staying faithful to him even in the midst of this persecution and many of them lost their lives for it. And that's convicting. That's convicting to me because the reality is if you live for Christ, it won't always be easy, but we can rejoice knowing that our Savior suffered for us and that on the other side of suffering, as Peter said in First Peter, there is establishment, there is settling, and there is completeness on the other side. And as Paul said, uh, that even through the suffering, there's a peace that passes understanding. So stay faithful. Stay faithful even in the midst of suffering for Christ. The world, it's, it's not gonna get better, but instead of turning unto fables and, and turning from the truth, we need to stay true to God. We need to continue, stay in the word, stay accountable, and stay faithful in the, tr in the truth, in witnessing, and in suffering. The, the reality is our world isn't getting any easier to live in, but despite what the world uh, despite the world that we live in, we still have a God who is worth staying true to. And we have to remain steadfast, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians. We need to keep moving forward. There's a story, I don't know if I've ever shared it here before, but I love this story, so I might have. Uh, this man uh, by the name of Cliff Young, and uh, he's an Australian potato farmer. Uh, who decided at one point, he also ran, did some uh, running as an athlete, but decided as a potato farmer to enter the Melbourne uh, 
ultra marathon, which was about uh, 544 miles. All right, I had to look that up. I couldn't remember the number. 544 miles. And, uh, and he did, the whole time, he did a technique which is now used by some runners as the young shuffle. Like he, he wasn't the big long runs and strides as he was running this ultra marathon. It was like a shuffle. In fact, if you watch it, it's kind of funny to watch uh, what people have uh, said it looked like and people who now use this technique. But everyone else, if you go read the story, everyone else, they would run as, as much as they could. They would go to bed at night, sleep like four to six, sometimes eight hours, get a full night's rest, get up the next morning and start running. Cliff Young, he didn't really know all the rules when he first entered it, and so for a while, uh, he, he was just kind of laying down for a short time, maybe like an hour or two at night, and then getting up and going. He didn't even know where he was in the race, because he, everyone else just far surpassed him on that first day. But sometime in the middle of the night, while a bunch of them were sleeping, he got ahead. And then the next night, while a bunch of them were sleeping, he got ahead. And the next night, while a bunch of them were sleeping, he got ahead. And he ended up finishing the race 10 hours before the next runner up behind him. <laughs> Just because he kept moving forward. Kept moving forward uh, in the race. It, it reminds me of that uh, fable that we all probably grew up hearing, the tortoise and the hare, right? Where the, the hare decides, I got this race. He goes to the side, he sleeps. And the tortoise just keep moving forward, keep at that slow pace, but it's consistency, just moving forward, he ends up winning the race. Both of those stories, they, there's a moral there that we Christians should take heed to. And it's this, we should just keep moving forward. <laughs> keep moving forward. Continue running. Despite the trajectory of this world, each and every one of us need to endeavor. We're just gonna continue. We're gonna move forward. If we're going to continue, Paul, what should we do? He says this, stay in the word of God. It'll help you grow. It'll make you more like Jesus. It's good for you. Stay in the word of God. Stay accountable to God. And then stay faithful for God. Just keep moving forward and continue. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media, and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.